Hello and welcome to the Tech Disruptors podcast hosted by Bloomberg Intelligence. In this podcast series, we talk with CEOs and management teams about their views on disruption and how it's driving their decision-making and strategy. My name is Mandeep and with me today is Craig Donato, Chief Business Officer at Roblox. Craig, welcome to the podcast. Thank you very much. Great. So, look, I mean, you guys were a recent IPO, I guess, a little over three years, and you've had impressive top-line growth, you know, during the pandemic, and last year was a little tough. And when I look at the evolution of the company, clearly, you know, last year when Facebook changed its name to Meta, everyone was, you know, scrambling to find, you know, ways to look at Metaverse and what it entails. And Roblox was a name that kept cropping up based on our conversations. In fact, uh, a lot of investors feel that Roblox has the best content for something as vague as Metaverse. So maybe from your perspective, how do you look at your addressable market now, given, you know, you've been doing this for so many years and Meta kind of changed the dynamic in terms of the market and maybe you can start off there. Sure. You know, when I think about our addressable market, I think it's, it's, it's quite, quite large, given that people come to Roblox to do things with other people, typically have something fun, get down an imaginary mountain or DJ their own dance party in a desert island. So it's, but it, it's always this social experience that they're doing with other people. And when I look for it, if I look out five to 10 years, I think more and more things that we do in the real world with other people will move into platforms like Roblox. Right. And so right now, a lot of time spent on a platform is people having fun together, which people associate with gaming. But we're increasingly doing lots of work in the entertainment category, whether that's music, uh, video entertainment, sports. There's obviously a lot with fashion. There's a lot of interesting things happening in retail and commerce, as well as even a bunch of stuff on education and, and eventually even in the probably the more distant future, enabling these technologies to be used at work. Right. So, again. I think there's just a tremendous opportunity. There's, this is a, definitely a new modality of the internet. If you think of, of information in chapter one and kind of sharing social information too, this is actually about people doing things together. So I think the, the total addressable market is gigantic. I mean, and maybe let's unpack it a little bit. So the core base for your platform was more, you know, the nine to 16 year olds. And, you know, when, whenever people think about social media or, you know, new platforms, whether it was Snapchat or TikTok, they want to get the attention of this Gen Z users or the younger demographic, which you already have. If you can talk in terms of whether you are taking share from the traditional social media or how are these users finding time to be on TikTok and Snap as well as Roblox? Well, one thing I would even step back in that what we find fascinating about people that use metaverse technologies is that their relationship to the technology is somewhat generational, right? So we think of the, the people that were born, they're probably 20 and younger. Their entire life has spent being able to play interactive online gaming, right? And this, we call this group the metaverse natives, right? And they feel as comfortable, if not more comfortable, socializing with their friends in digital spaces, right? Old people like me, right? We think of this as the colonists, right? I think COVID made us try to wrap our head around this technology and use things like Zoom, but we're not natives to this. And I think we'll see very much a divide among the two. And I think certainly for Roblox, that you know under 24 audience, is is gigantic for us, right? So when we look at time spent on our platform, the average user spends two and a half, more than two and a half hours a day on Roblox, right? 
5 billion hours of time spent in January. So they're spending a lot of time, not just quick hits, but long sessions on Roblox. And have done any cohort work to suggest that same user is, is he or she spending time on TikTok and Snap as well? And then, you know, the remainder of the time on your platform? You know, there have been, I can't recall exactly what the conclusions were. I, you know, clearly given the, the age demos, kids will be spending or teens will be spending time on TikTok, YouTube, at places like us. I think the usage pattern tends to be different. Again, I'm there with my friends yeah. doing things versus consuming content, which typically is more done more in snack size bites. So in terms of the evolution of the platform, like what do you think you would need given, you know, the content on Roblox is more 3D gaming and it right now it's consumed using a two-dimensional kind of form factor, whether yeah. it's your smartphone or your PC. And Meta, we know since last year, is pushing really hard in terms of consuming that content using a VR device. And we're hearing rumors about Apple coming up with a, a mixed reality headset. Do you think, you know, given the content you have on the platform, you also need a hardware form factor like that? Or just how do you think internally in terms of what the best way to consume that 3D content is? Our strategy has always been to be on as many platforms as possible. So I think the number of platforms we're going to support will only continue to go up. So we have, like you mentioned, we're on mobile phones, we're on laptops, tablets, gaming consoles like X. Box. We also are available on VR. So if people do use VR and Roblox, there's actually some really cool games where if you're using VR, you're a god. And if you're just using your laptop, you're a little person running around. So, so mixed modalities absolutely exist on Roblox. I guess what I would say is, you know, when we think about experiences on Roblox, we tend to evaluate them in two different dimensions. One is how social are they? And the second is how immersive are they? And by immersion, I mean, when you're playing them, does your mind's eye go into the experience? So it feels like you're there. What's fascinating to watch, if you go watch focus groups, or if you have a niece or nephew playing Roblox, you watch them playing even on their mobile phone, their, their head, their brain, their mind's eye is inside, right? So I think we've already hit the tipping point for immersion. I think it will continue to get better and better. I think what people are going to need to trade off is the increase in immersion, making it feel more real with the potential downsides of wearing that technology, perhaps socially isolating yourself by putting on goggles that might feel uncomfortable, right? So what we're expecting to see is that trade-off over time get better and better, more and more technologies offering more and more immersion at less of a cost, right? Right now, I think it's still a bit of a, a, a niche use case for our audience. And so in terms of gaming, which is, I would say, most of the content on the platform, even though you talked about education and fashion yep. and some other type of content, like you have the AAA gaming titles on the platform. It, the Most of the content on Roblox is user generated. And, you know, what you're doing is providing tools for the community to create their own games. How, like, Amy walks to, you care about the unit economics. If you can expand on why user generated gaming content is more powerful than these, you know, traditional AAA titles, uh, if you can spend some time there. I'm going to challenge the premise, right? When you look at the entertainment industry, video entertainment, you see a pretty bimodal shift. You've got YouTube, which is user-generated content, consuming lots of time spent for consumers. And then complementing that is professionally produced content available 
you know, in Netflix and Amazon Prime and those sorts of things. So both those things can exist together. They're just kind of different ways of attacking how content is produced. What's been fascinating about Roblox over the last few years is that we still have a very strong base of user-generated content. So small people producing content on their own in small teams. But we're increasingly seeing professional publishers and creators show up on our platform. So people that used to produce AAA games, mobile games, actually showing up and establishing a presence on Roblox. And we've been fortunate that our technology continues to evolve and can support titles like that. So I know recently a game called Frontline was, Frontlines was released and kind of blew people away because it looks a lot like something you might expect to see on a console, but it was available and natively published on Roblox. So I think we have a unique opportunity to really span both, both sides of that uh, creation. Maybe we can spend a couple of minutes on technology. I mean, obviously yeah. a lot of what you're doing is proprietary and, you know, you guys run your own data centers yeah. and a lot of it requires, you know, real-time streaming. And Easy. for the longest time, my understanding was it's very hard to enable cloud gaming because, you know, of the bandwidth limitations and the requirements. And I don't expect you to, you know, go deep into the yeah. tech stack, but maybe, you know, you can... Uh, just go over what is it that's unique about Roblox in terms of maintaining that differentiation yes. and why your hyperscalers can't do the same. I mean, Meta is really spending so much. They're outspending you guys. So why yeah. can't they replicate that? A couple of things. So one, I would say just in the architecture itself, it's kind of a mixture of, can we say this client server? We're doing, we're using both the client and the cloud at the same time in kind of an interesting dance. So we're downloading in the background content, we're serving it on the client. Some, some computation is done in the cloud, some on the client. So we're very, very smart about how to use both those things to produce an optimal experience. And it doesn't necessarily happen the same on different types of, of devices, right? Devices with more yeah. processing power. So we do a lot of work, although it looks simple on the outside, there's tremendous amounts of technology in the background figuring out how to optimize how we serve content at, on all these different types of platforms, which requires our own native cloud and our own and our own client technology. So there's a lot going on there. But again, you know, we want to be something that looks feels native and very, uh, you know, on on high end consoles and VR platforms, as well as making sure it looks really good in an iPhone four. That just takes a lot of technology, and we've been at it, you know, for over 15 years. So this isn't something that we just built overnight, right? I would say though, that one of the things that obviously helps us is the fact that we've got this giant catalog of content. We've got over 10 million people producing content on our platform. So every time you show up in Roblox, there's gonna be some new experience for you to check out or an experience you really love has been updated, right? So it's constantly changing, always being updated. And I think that's a key differentiator to Roblox. Got it. And maybe just one more question on technology. So given all this buzz around generative AI and, you know, what the new GPUs uh -huh. and custom silicon can do, I mean, do you think it's going to be, an, you know, a defining moment for 3D content generation and what it could do in, in terms of enhancing the mode that Roblox has on the 3D content side? Yeah, we, we do believe it's going to be important. And, you know, so much of what we've done as a company is to try to lower the barrier to becoming a creator, right? So when you look at our tools for building experiences on Roblox, we don't just provide the actual studio tools to build it. We host it. We translate it. We moderate it. We provide, we provide all the hooks for monetization. So everything you need, not only to build, but to operate an experience, we do at scale, right? So we're always trying to think, how do we make it easier for people to actually create 
on our platform. And we believe generative AI is going to be very disruptive in that regard. It's going to really lower the barriers for people creating 3D meshes, full-fledged experiences, different avatar clothing, those sorts of things. So we're very much invested in that and see it as a huge opportunity for us. Talking about avatars and I'll bring in NFTs as well. Do you think some of that, you know, enthusiasm around using NFTs has kind of gone down as a result of what's going on in the market right now. We're just coming off of weekend where we had a run on a couple of, you know, banks and just curious to hear your thoughts around how you think this space will evolve. So essentially, you know, um, we think of NFTs and, and the word NFT is associated with blockchain, right? And crypto and all those other sorts yeah. of things. But what NFTs are used for has, has been occurring on Roblox well in advance of blockchain right? uh, and NFTs. So whether or not brands on our platform give away free virtual items, and if you have those virtual items, you get access to different things on our platform that has existed and continues to exist. So a lot of the things that we talk about in Web3, especially it relates to blockchain, can occur on Roblox. You know, we have our own currency. People have a sense of ownership. They can take items from experience to experience. Those items can unlock all different types of things. So I think we've been doing this for a while. Granted, it's not built on blockchain, but a lot of the functional equivalent exists and is thriving on Roblox. Maybe, you know, in terms of how you monetize all this engagement, I mean, right now, the way you're monetizing engagement is through tokens and, you know, it's somewhat of a unique way compared to the way social media is monetized, which is primarily through ads. So if you can spend some time on how you think, given we talked so much about technology, what the next wave of monetization may look like on uh, Roblox. Sure. So as you mentioned, um, our economy is fundamentally based on microtransactions. We have a currency, Robux. People buy it. They can spend it in game. All the creators in our platform are always selling interesting things, whether it's for their experience or just for your avatar. And we take a cut, right? So it's just a giant marketplace of, of digital goods. One of the things that's been evolving over time is in addition to creators building things and establishing a presence on our platform, brands have increasingly been showing up and establishing a presence on our platform. And, you know, brands like Gucci, NFL, Nike are building a presence on our platform because they see it as a very innovative way to engage with consumers, especially young consumers. And um, we think that that presents a, an interesting revenue stream for us, not in terms of charging them to do so, but they're going to want to direct traffic to those experiences. And so we're rolling out immersive advertising. And this is something that we announced last year. I know you reported on it. And it's in the form of portals, right? So if I'm in, in a fun experience and I pass this giant door, and this actually happened during the Super Bowl. So if you were on Roblox during the Super Bowl, you saw this interesting promotion that the NFL put on, which if you went through that portal, it would take you to the virtual Super Bowl concert, halftime concert with Sweetie. And so it's just a very effective way to move traffic around. And we will always have organic mechanisms to move traffic around, but there's increasingly people on our platform that want to buy that traffic. So we're creating a marketplace for immersive advertising. I think that's going to evolve to be a good, good size revenue and down the road. I mean, we're trying stuff that's quite innovative. You know, it doesn't, we're not just trying to take web-based advertising and pop it into Roblox. We're creating a new form of immersive advertising. So I think it's going to take a while for this to unfold. But when we, when we think about the surface area, you know, 5 billion hours a month in January, there's certainly a lot of upside opportunity there. Got it. So in terms of competition, I mean, you mentioned YouTube and obviously we know Meta is focused on this, you know, in a, in a big way. And so when you look at, you know, how this 
space will evolve? Do you think there will be, you know, a handful of companies that will make the most investments given, you know, this requires investments on multiple levels, not just content, but also infrastructure, cloud? Like, how, how do you think competition will evolve in this space? I think it's always hard to say, you know, I think if you, we look at the analogy of social networks as, as places for people to come together and share, there were a number of ones that emerged or was it one that was Facebook and Instagram and, and Snap. So I think that's, that's potentially a likely scenario. It's, it's really hard to know. We'll know what when we get to it. We've been pleased to see the demographics on our platform rapidly expanding. So our fastest growing age cohort right now is 17 to 24. So we're really seeing kind of the, the demographics expand quite quickly. And that's, um, that's exciting. But, you know, who, who knows what we'll, what we'll see in 10 years from now. I, I guess uh, one other kind of addition topic uh, to touch on in regards to competition is engagement when it comes to creators. Because every company, whether it's, you know, a social network or a video platform like YouTube, is focused on creators. Yeah. At the end of the day, you know, there are only so many creators that, you know, are out there, whether they're creating content on video platforms like TikTok or on a Roblox. So how do you think, you know, that, that creator engagement will evolve? I mean, we know yeah. the platform with the best content usually wins in the end, but curious to hear your thoughts around that creator engagement. You know, in your question, you talked about there's only so many creators and, you know, I'd love to kind of nudge on that a little bit in that when we get back to what I mentioned earlier about this idea of metaverse natives, this is a generation that believes that they should kind of co-own the mediums that they invest their time in, right? So I think if you talk to Gen Zers, they all want to be creators, right? And, and maybe, maybe they don't necessarily have the technical skills to build a full-fledged experience, but they would love to design their own clothing and do these other sorts of things. So back to what we mentioned earlier, one of our big focuses is to make sure we're always lowering the bar, enabling more and more people to create on our platform. And I think this is important, not only just from a content perspective, but just from the expectations of this generation, it's something they demand. They want to co-create our platform with us. And I think it's, that's just an important thing that we do. In fact, you know, it's something, it's one of those values that we've always held at Roblox. I mean, one of our corporate values is respect the community, which is, you know, we need to put the needs of the community above our own. We serve the community. And I think it really is kind of a, it just runs through our DNA here. And so we're, we're constantly focused on that. So to more directly answer your question though, we're trying to always make it easier and easier to become a creator and provide more and more value to our creators. So in addition to just simply providing them tools, we're always enhancing those tools. We have a huge online community where creators meet, they form teams. We've got people that generate music and all sorts of niche jobs in our community. And we've got matchmaking services, we have like a version of LinkedIn essentially for our community. So it, there's a whole kind of element to Roblox that people that are just kind of using it might not see, but it's a very vibrant uh, community, a creator community that we put a lot of time and in, in invest in. But do you think there will still be wall gardens where if you're creating content on a specific platform, then it stays within that wall garden as opposed to creating it once and then letting that creator make that content available on all the platforms out there that have scale? So one thing what we do is we do help our creators make sure that when they publish on our platform, we can take it to all the platforms that Roblox supports, right? So when I produce an experience on Roblox, it's now available on iPhones, the Xbox, PC. So we, we do that kind of inherently as part of who we are. What about you know, making it available on YouTube? Well, you know, it, it, then, then it just comes down to simply how one exports the technology and, you know, there's different game engine, those sorts of things. So platform interoperability 
is a tricky thing. And that's kind of back to the blockchain conversation, right? I think if we look down 10 years from now, will platforms be interoperable? I'm guessing they will be, but it's a fairly complex problem, right? To, to take a car built for Roblox in, in our engine and all the physics that we do and all the complex technology and have it pop over to Unity or pop over to Unreal, it, that, that's complicated. Um, and uh, I think it's, it's likely to happen, but I don't think it's likely to happen very soon. Since you mentioned Unity, maybe we can touch on, you know, the differences between Roblox architecture and Unity, given, you know, Unity is more of a gaming engine, whereas you guys are a complete end-to-end -end platform where users come in, they spend time, they have certain number of transactions in terms of engaging with their brands, whereas Unity is just giving that layer where you can create gaming content and then you find your own ways to kind of either monetize it or it's it's more of one layer that they are providing in terms of creating that 3D content. I think that's fair. I think, you know, um, when we think about all the different experiences on Roblox, they're not just, we're just not a collection of experiences built by our tool, right? They all fit together. There's a social fabric that unites all of the experiences on Roblox, like who I am, my avatar goes with me. All of the things that I've acquired, all the things I own go with me. My social graph goes with me. So I think what we've produced is, is not only a tool for that enables people to easily build immersive 3D experiences, we've created this fabric that unites this universe of all the experiences produced on Roblox. As such, they can come and jump to, from experience to experience with their friends. And I think that's, that's the real meat of what we built. Just building the experience is just one small piece of, of the Roblox platform. Got it. And so when it comes to, uh, you know, Roblox and given it's, uh, it has a history of, you know, over 20 years, how do you think, you know, Roblox as a platform will be able to sustain its moat given this market is a lot more talked about now? There is uh, a lot more focus from the larger players. Like what would it take to sustain the moat that you have given the early start that you had in, in this domain? Great. So let's actually just talk about the moat and then we can talk a little about how sustainable it is. So when we, we, when we think about um, our business, we think there's two network effects that have really driven our growth and network effects provide some level of, of barrier to entry. One is around content. Um, the more content we have, the bigger of an audience attract, the bigger of an audience, the more content creators we attract, that creates a virtuous circle. So now we have this community of over 10 million creators on our platform. And again, what are we doing to kind of enrich that? Well, one is constantly making the tools and the value proposition to creators better and better and lowering the barrier to becoming a creator. So we feel that those are, those are, those are wonderful. Now there's also things that happen by the way, around our creator loop that, that are kind of, again, behind the scenes, but are also incredibly complex talent challenges that we built up over the last 15 years. So for example, when someone's publishing on Roblox, they're publishing an immersive 3d experience that was built with code. They're not just publishing a video. Moderating that is incredibly complex. How do we look at the experience? Not just look at the assets that were uploaded, but the logic and how do we, you know, think about how this is going to be expressed and used. Incredibly complex. And anyone just starting this that wants to get in the kind of the bottoms up UGC creation of immersive 3D experiences, it's taken us over a decade to build that technology, right? So I think whether it be the technology as well as the network effect, that's a fairly substantial moat. And the second, so that's about content, is around the social network effect in that people come to Roblox to be with their friends. And if that's where their friends are, that's where they want to be. And the number one way that people find out about it, Roblox is they get invited to play with friends. 
So I think as we continue to see growth, as people continue to spend time on Roblox, it's going to be increasingly why other people want to spend time there. So I think both those network effects are, are, are very defensible. And mention a very key aspect of, you know, social media and these platforms which are creating content and that's brand safety. So yes. curious from your perspective, you know, how much do you spend? I mean, if there is a way to think about, you know, how many resources are, are dedicated to accomplishing that brand safety that's better than competing platforms? Yeah, you know, I don't know how to, to put it in, in terms of a percentage, but I do know that the safety and civility of our platform is always our top it, concern. Is it a function of the tools you have or is it more about the, you know, the people you have moderating content? A couple of things. I, I would say the fact that we're, we are integrated enables us to do lots of things so we can actually see what people are working on and as they publish information, being able to review it effectively. So I think it's, we spend a lot of time thinking through with every feature that we're about to launch, how could this impact safety and civility? And why this is important is, is like, you know, when I think about the two words, safety and civility, safety is simply preventing bad things from happening. And civility is what's necessary conditions to have people come together in a positive pro-social way. And we really want to invest in both, right? You know, we, we want to make sure that, you know, we, we find bad content, and we remove it before it ever hits the, the platform. But we're also trying to think through how do we bring together people in a way that's naturally positive? And that's incredibly important. I think there's a tremendous opportunity to innovate in the field of, of civility, right? How do we bring together people in positive ways? And, and that continues to be a big focus of ours. Great. So let me move into my final section, which is, uh, you know, I like to have some rapid fire questions so that uh, we get to cover on things where uh, investors or listeners, they care about these things and they want to hear about these topics from different companies that we had on the podcast. So you can keep your answers brief and I'll uh, start off with my first question, which is any misconceptions about Roblox that you want to clear on this podcast? Two things. One is that people think of us as a gaming platform. I don't think of that. I think of us more as this kind of place where people go to hang out and do things with their friends. A lot of the things that people do on Roblox, if you looked at them, they wouldn't look like games, right? They'd look like either hangouts or cool, cool experiences. You're not competing with other people to win a prize. And the second thing would be that we're just kids, just little kids. And if you look at our demos, um, you know, our, our community is large, but it continues to get older and older with each passing month. Great. And which will be the most disrupted kind of segment based on Roblox adoption over the uh, medium to long term? So any particular vertical, any particular segment? I'd do back to something we talked about earlier, generative AI. Like anything we can do to reduce the barriers to becoming a creator on our platform will have significant impact to us. And we think generative AI, among other things that we're working on, will enable everyone to be a creator on our platform. That's our ultimate goal. But is there a domain, just to clarify, so think of, you know, the number of things we talked about, education, fashion, gaming, you, you said you're more than a gaming company. Is there a domain where you think Roblox would be more, most disruptive uh, or, or the medium to long term? I think it kind of depends on your timing, right? So right now, a lot of people are spending time just having fun. I think next up are two verticals, entertainment, like we did some interesting yeah. Netflix where they debuted the latest season of Stranger Things and these kind of co-viewing parties, very interesting things happen in there as well as music, sports. We did some stuff with uh, the, the World Cup. There's all sorts of very wonderful things happening in entertainment. 
a little farther out, you get into retail, right? And the way I like to think of it is, you know, there's all sorts of things that you, you use Amazon for, but there's certain things you have to go to the store for. Well, a lot of those, whether it be trying something on or understanding how something works, can start to come into these digital spaces. So I think it will significantly impact commerce and retail. And then further out is where we're, you know, you start to become transformative in, in things like education and work. I'm super excited about the stuff we're doing in education where we're enabling people to learn in these experiential modes. So we can learn about how a virus works. Let's get into a spaceship with our teacher and see how it works, right? Or, you know, instead of studying, you know, some event in, in civics, let's actually go out and role play what it was like to be Rosa Parks on the bus that one day, right? So we're super excited about that. I think those are longer arcs, Yeah, right? I think those are the longer arcs. That would be a much more constructive use case than having chat GPT write your college essay. <laughs> there we go. I like that. Okay. Uh, and so what could go wrong about the assumptions that you're making about the growth potential of Roblox? So I think the one thing that we're trying to understand, and, and I think we're obviously optimistic about it, but you know, when, I, when we look at it, one area we don't know is when we move beyond metaverse natives, when we're getting into those colonists, how quickly will adoption occur of these technologies? And I think that's going to happen as more and more use cases where it's 10 times better to do this in a digital 3D space and in the real world happens, it will pull those people over. I'm just not sure how quickly that will happen, right? We're obviously bullish on it and we're working in all these different verticals to increase the value proposition of that, but how fast that happens will remain to be seen. Down to my last two questions. So most important metric of your business success? Uh, when we think about our business success, we think about probably three things. One is DAOs, how many people are on, this, on, on our platform in a given day? How much time do they spend doing all these different things, which is kind of some sort of measure of, of frequency. And then of course, you know, bookings per hour, how much they're spending. And I think those three things tell a pretty complete story of Roblox from a business perspective. And how many hours do you personally spend on Roblox platform? Oh, sure. Yeah, I'm embarrassed to say that. So, um, you know, we, we try to uh, eat our own dog food. So, you know, it's not unlike it's, you'll see people at Roblox having meetings in Roblox and doing those other sorts of things. So uh, we spend a decent amount of time on the platform, probably, you know, I don't know if I'm spending two and a half hours a day, but certainly north of an hour a day. Great, Craig, this has been wonderful. Thank you so much for your time. Wish you all the success going forward. And thanks a lot for doing this. Thank you, Madeep. It was a lot of fun.